Hello and welcome to the Hopeless Wanderer podcast. Uh, this is a live stream edition and especially on Wiccan Wanderers. My name is Adam Gipke and I'm the host of the podcast and I'm also a massive Wiccan fan. If this is your first time, thank you for joining us and more importantly, welcome. Hope you will enjoy this as well as our other content. So please feel free to subscribe to our podcast as well as our YouTube channel. And we're also on Twitter and Instagram. So make sure you subscribe to those as well. Um, so just to put some context, my podcast talks about just general football. Um, but obviously I felt like it was really lacking in terms of the Wickham content. So this is why I've done a special edition live stream for this. So let's go into it. I suppose this season has been historic in many ways. 1.74 was the magic number for us to take us into the championship for the very first time in our 133-year history. And while it did take us a while to get adjusted, seven games in total before we started getting points on board, it's um, keen to say, or key to say even, that uh, we managed to get some confidence and we stuck at it. Ultimately, just one point off survival, nine goals in total in terms of deficit, but really confident about the season ahead, definitely with this amazing squad as well. So I'm lucky enough to be joined by some guests to discuss about this amazing team and they're also supporters of the club. So let me introduce you to our first guest. He's the host of Light and Dark Blues fan group on Instagram. So I'll welcome into the stream Michael Gazantis. So, Michael, hey, how Hi are you there. doing? How have you been keeping? Yeah. yeah, good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Good. And just for context of our watchers as well as our listeners, how long have you been like supporting Wickham Wanderers? Uh, so I'd say about. 11 years and then maybe about five or so years properly supporting them but yeah about that kind of time and do you recall what your first game was uh i think it was like all the shot away okay <laughs> god knows where they are now but yeah <laughs> says a lot but yeah what have you made of the season that's just gone uh kind of hard to put into words but kind of it's extraordinary in some ways like you mm. never imagine us to be in this position but I think obviously it took a bit of time to adapt to it but I think once we got used to it and got going I think really kind of showed and put a statement out like this what this club is about and like yeah I think I'm really impressed by what we did and I don't think you can really dwell on it too much yeah definitely well like i said i've got also another guest he's one of our famous phils that covers wick wonders in a podcast um so without further ado i welcome into the stream phil slater so hey phil how are you keeping good thanks thanks for having me on no thank you for being part of the show and yeah much the same just for context of the watchers and our listeners how long have you been following the famous blues uh, well, next next season in February it will be the thirtieth uh, anniversary of my my first game. Um, so I'm oh, one wow. of the one of the people that remembers the the heady days of the early nineties. Yeah. Just missed out the ninety one FA Trophy final, but that sort of piqued my interest in uh, in supporting the club. And then my first game was a, a two one defeat to Witten Albion in the FA Trophy quarter final in um, I think it was actually March March of nineteen ninety two. And then yeah, ever since then I think I got my first season ticket about four years after that and I've been wow. a season ticket holder ever since wow well great to hear I mean we've got a lot of variation between us all um just for context of the viewers and watchers there as well I've been supporting Wickham Wanderers from since about 94 93 season um first ever game I just reminisced with the guys was a really cold night against York City nil nil draw um hooks on it ever since i uh, don't know why it was but yeah got hooks into the famous quarters really and since then loved every minute no matter how many despairing moments we've gone through right so um anyway for the watchers at home feel free to ask us any questions as we go along i'll be posting a few questions that have already come through um but we've also got some themes so let us get started i suppose guys and i will just put it up there here now so 
after that win at Wembley against Oxford United, what were our predictions for the season anyway? So if we start off with yourself, Michael, what mm-hmm. were you thinking at the time? I mean, obviously, really extraordinary night for all of us, right? Didn't expect anything like that in terms of the run itself. But what was going through your head at the time? Um, I think definitely excitement, definitely a lot of unknown because I think at that time it was just the kind of like overwhelming, like, wow, we've actually like done this. And like, I don't think we'd ever expected to be in that position. Um, like even six or so months ago, but, um, but definitely going into it, I think it's hard to maybe kind of judge performance wise how we do, because we hadn't really, um, had much time, obviously hadn't seen who we'd sign for the club, but definitely optimistic and just let's see how it goes and just have a crack at it really. Yeah. And what about yourself, Phil? Obviously, yeah, we didn't have a lot of time to really get adjusted or get players in the door, did we? No, I think it was seven weeks, I think, between uh, that amazing night when we when we beat Oxford to the first game against Brentford. It was definitely a condensed pre-season with um, mm. everyone else having a head start on us. So immediately the next day, Gareth Ainsworth handed out a few contracts to Matt Bloomfield and Akin Fenwa, I think a couple of others, because he, he wanted to keep the continuity going and almost had to drip free, drip feed the, the signings into the season. You think a lot of them, like um, Gareth McCleary and, and some of the others, they, they came on a bit later on. Um, yeah. So it, it was, they, I think they extended the transfer deadline, didn't they? Just to yeah. try and help, but ultimately still got to get the season started. So yeah, it wasn't a lot of time to bring in players. And I think, expectations were we were all sort of on a high after that Oxford match um, and we were hopeful there was there was kind of the hope of it and then the realism of it and I think we knew we'd fight we knew we'd battle but I think everyone mm. realistically knew that we were going to be in a relegation scrap from the off I think that, uh, anyone yeah. that thought we could make mid-table was was probably still had their head in the clouds if you if you had kept your head focused you, you gotta think there is there is just no way we're not going to be struggling in the bottom four or five all season and uh, lo and behold that is what happened but we thought we'd put up a fight and um, that's exactly what we did no definitely and i think if we go into the season itself obviously it was one of those that i have to say it was looking into detail it was something that was split into two parts so um just for you your guys benefits obviously just to read kind of a few stats really our home record was better than our away records. Um, so our home record, we won seven, draw four or five, even lost 11, scored 17 and conceded 28. And based on that alone, we were 10, uh, 20th position even. So above the likes of Derby County, Bristol City, mm-hmm. Birmingham City and Rotherham. So it was literally our away record that really killed us in that sense. Um, but yeah, just looking at it as well, if we'd based our season from, say, the 1st of January this year till the 8th of May, where we played our last game, we would have actually finished 18th um, with 28 points. Uh, we were above the likes of Rotherham, Stoke City, Sheffield Wednesday, Derby County, Huddersfield and Bristol City. And Bristol City were the bottom team in that sense, in terms of form. So, um, yeah, obviously we knew it was going to be a really hard season. Didn't expect it to kind of uh, be any easier for us. Um, but to an extent, do you think we excelled? Um, start off with yourself, Phil. Absolutely. I think um, the season definitely went a lot better than I than I feared. Um, mm. Certainly after those, I wouldn't, I wouldn't quite say after those first seven games, because I think we had seen vast improvement from the second game of the season when we were battered by Blackburn to when we were very unlucky to lose to Norwich. There was a real progression and yeah, I don't think that you can honestly say that I feared it then, but certainly when we were losing to Blackburn and other points like that, we were there was real concern that, OK, maybe some of the naysayers are going to be right here. Um, but ultimately, we needed to go through those seven um, games to, to learn the lessons and then kick on from there, which is what we did. And while those seven games did undo us in the end in terms of not picking up enough points, it also taught us a lot of lessons that we brought into into our game in the latter part of the season. So if it hadn't been for those defeats, maybe we wouldn't have finished the season so strongly. 
Definitely. And what about you, Michael? Obviously, I felt like the players actually started to grow in confidence, even though we had constant defeats in between kind of periods where we did kind of win games as well. I think for myself, and I don't know about you guys, but I felt like that Cardiff City result where we won 2-1 was the really pinnacle point in terms of us going into that sort of January period where we gained momentum going forward. Um, but yeah, just get your thoughts on it. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with what's been said. I think probably adapting to like there's such a golf in class and the kind of the style of play that we had to kind of adapt to in the championship. But I think we said as we got going, definitely I think it was great to kind of see the kind of improvement as we went along and to even with the um seven games at the start, you could definitely see that there was something going on and then once we got there, um I think before first half of the season probably did kill us off a little bit but um when you kind of um think of it second half of the season we got about nearly double the amount of points that we did in the first half so yeah i think we did pretty well mm. And something we covered on our podcast, and this was just generally aimed at all teams, was really the kind of influence fans have in terms of those games. And I felt like if there was a game that we probably would have started off quite well was that Rotherham game beginning of the season where obviously we lost 1-0, um, but it was one of those games I'm sure the fans being in that ground would have packed it out. They would have made an influence. And I think that would have been really telling for a lot of the games that we had this season. Obviously, it's very easy to say in hindsight. But um, again, Michael, do you think, obviously, the guys in terms of the fans would have been really up for it when we got into those games? Yeah, no, I definitely think that it may have had um, an impact on it. But there's also, I think, yeah, you just have to kind of take it as it is that every club didn't have... I didn't have the fans there, but I was definitely trying to think of a few games that we probably could have, like, there's a few games where we were needed that kind of goal, as you've seen in the past in League One, where we've there's been a goal that we need to go and get, and I think the crowd like really pushes us on, especially when we're attacking towards the terrace in the second half. But yeah, I think it was definitely a miss, but even without the fans, the way they managed to kind of push through, and I think... I think the kind of spirit that's within the club and you could see that it felt like we're like one of the only clubs that even without fans, we kind of somewhat made in like kind of atmosphere with like through Pete and through the um, playing staff and people on the bench. So we kind of like really got it going. So maybe we didn't have that too much of an impact from that as well because there's such a spirit in the club just to keep going. And the lack of expectation on us really kind of like boosters us like we haven't got too much to lose that's what gareth ainsworth said in the in the playoffs wasn't it? he said to the yeah. players aren't, aren't in the squad you can you can play a part in this you know you can be that 12th man you can cheer him on and shout out so it's definitely something that he tapped into perhaps he was a bit quicker than, than some of the other managers i think the one thing i it swings and roundabouts when it comes to whether having fans in the ground would have made a huge difference because other fans will argue the same yeah, and there may be situations as well where having a big crowd can be a hindrance if your team's struggling. Mm. Um, you could argue maybe Norwich away when they were drawing one-one and we'd lost six in a row. Maybe their fans would have got on their back and they might not have won that game with fans mm. in the ground. It's all <clears throat> hypothetical, of course, but the only yeah. thing you could probably say, I don't think broadly speaking, having fans would have made much of a difference. It would have made difference to individual games, mm. but. Broadly speaking, I don't think it would have made a difference. But with Adams Park, it is a tight ground. Yeah, I don't think some of the bigger clubs would have really relished going there. That it wouldn't. I mean, it's not a bad ground to go to. It's not like you've got pokey changing rooms or you know poor away stands like say Kenilworth Road. Yeah. But I don't think some of the bigger fans would have really relished it. And maybe not having mm. a crowd close to the pitch might have helped them in some respects. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it would have made a difference, but whether it would have broadly made a difference, I'm, I'm not so sure. Well, something I was going to allude to in terms of my notes that I had was around that kind of respect, because I did hear also Gareth allude to it in terms of the players as well. So actually opposition players kind of not giving us the respect in that respect. Um, um, 
point of view, I suppose. And yeah, I think obviously that kind of maybe spurred on that squad to kind of think, actually, we stand a chance, right? We we just need to really stick to our game and play to what our advantages are. Uh, I wonder yeah. sometimes whether we didn't impose ourselves as much as we could have at the early stages, because I feel like sometimes maybe we gave the opposition too much respect in those early few games. And it wasn't until maybe I think Millwall at home where we started to kind of put like a bit more emphasis into attacking those teams. Because I think even the game prior to that, we had a 2-0 defeat against Luton Town. And it was kind of one of those 50-50 games where we probably gave them too much respect in the first half. But the second half, we came out at them and we started to gain that momentum. And as you said, obviously Norwich City away, followed by then obviously that first point against Watford. Um, so, yeah, from your point of view, Phil, um, do you think we just gave too much respect in those first few games? Absolutely. I think Gareth Ainsworth admitted that. He said against Swansea, it was almost like we were waiting for them to score. We were expecting mm. them to take the lead. We were standing off them a little bit and the first goal was almost an inevitability. And then we actually ended that game playing quite well. We created a few chances in the last sort of 20 minutes, half an hour, and they they tuned up at half time and didn't really have a chance to get another goal. So it, it was a question of we only started playing when the opposition scored. And then, like you say, you go through those games, 5-0 Blackburn, 2-0 at Swansea. We then go to Luton. We got to 0-0 at half time. Maybe should have had a, a goal, uh, an equaliser that may or may not have been offside. And then against Millwall, as you said, we really went at them and, and took the lead. And that goal, obviously, the first goal we scored, it was very scrappy, but yeah. that's kind of vindictive of what you were saying because it was like, let's not give them respect. You know, they're, they're human. They're going to make mistakes just because they're a championship club. Mm. Kashka gets right in on the goalie. The goalie starts panicking and he ends up tackling him uh, and and scores the goal. And likewise, with the, the goal that was disallowed in that game, it was not right. He's a championship goalkeeper, but I'm going to try and score from the corner because he's, he's, uh, he's flapping a bit. So, yeah. and then... Equally, I think game six of that defeat was Reading away and we had mm. more shots on target than them. Um, we were a bit unfortunate in that game. So there was definitely a, a question of let's let's stand up for ourselves, let's stand up and be counted and let's you've got to give them a degree of respect and acknowledge what they're going to do better than you. But at the same time, you need to sort of fight back and sort of take the game to them where you can. Yeah. And Michael, I feel like... Injuries also played a part in that first stage of the season because obviously yeah. Uchi had that kind of, I think it was a combination of muscular injuries and then obviously had COVID at some point as well, which really put him out of joints as well. But also I seem to remember Tafazoli. He yeah, appeared for that Swansea game as well. And you saw what Tafazoli was when he eventually came mm -hmm. back to full fitness. But I think those two signings in particular were critical for us. I don't know what you felt. Yeah, no, definitely. I definitely think when you, if we would have maybe have had that kind of attacking threat of Uche and start the season, that maybe some of those games where we did get defeats or draws, we could have turned them into a win because you could see the kind of presence that he brought on, even from the first kind of games he played against like uh, Cardiff and Middlesbrough, even Middlesbrough game, we didn't get too much out of that. You could still see. And then when he really got going, he kind of felt unplayable sometimes. The kind of strength that he had to run at teams and just kind of find like spaces and get shots at goal. Mm. So definitely. And um, Tafazoli, I think it's quite unlucky how he missed quite a lot of the season because it definitely felt like we'd needed a bit. That defensive cover can be quite crucial. But I think for what he brought the second half of the season. And I think he had a bit of an injury in the latter stages and came back for the Middlesbrough game. So that had a little bit of an effect, but it'll be a pretty interesting to see what he brings next season. And Miskway coming in, I think maybe if we've got him in the at the start of the season rather than midway, that might have had a bit of an impact. But I think that was great to get him in um, middle of the season because I think he really did have an impact going forward. Mm. And I mean, at the beginning of the season, obviously we did what we could in the circumstances. I think when you consider our budget as well and the way we kind of structure ourselves, it was always going to be a tough task for ourselves. 
Um, something that I'm sure we'll go into in detail shortly is whether we feel like we got in the right players at the right stages as well. Um, but yeah, with the players we did go into it, um, were you kind of still confident that we could still ruffle a few feathers and get a few results here and there? Michael? Yeah, no, definitely. I think I think having the, also not just for the players we brought in, having the kind of like built up squad and the mentality of like these players have been through the leagues and they know kind of the, what Wickham is about and they, they know each other definitely really had um, a strong influence on kind of the momentum and the kind of attitude we had going into the season. Um, yeah, I think the signings that came in, I think Horgan at the start of the season did definitely have some, it was definitely showing signs of quality. And I think mm. his start of the season was probably better than towards the end because he kind of didn't really get into the team too much towards the end and kind of like fell off a bit. Um, Oh, and Josh Knight, I think definitely probably was star player for the whole season. I think that really had had an impact the whole season and the kind of um, defensive kind of way that he could play and mm -hmm. also saw more attacking going forward when he got pushed a bit forward um, in the new formation and some games before that as well when he played central defensive mid. So what he brought, I think, was crucial to kind of like the kind of defending which you have to do in League One compared to the Championship, it really kind of like brought that kind of experience. And you could tell that he's definitely at that level, potentially even above that level. Mm. So let's go into a bit more about Gareth's approach, really. And we know, obviously, he has a certain style. Um, but yeah, I'll start off with yourself, Phil. Do you think after that Blackburn result, he learned a lot more about his team than he ever did previously? Yeah, well, that's the old the old cliche about learning more from when you lose than from when you win. Uh, and if you look at the way we played in that Blackburn game, they were trying to play it out from the back. There was a lot of naivety. Uh, one of Blackburn's goals, I think it might have been may have been the penalty, but it yeah. all came from they had a, a massive goal mouth scramble that we cleared. We got we survived the scramble, and and then instead of just sort of putting it into the stands or just clearing up the pitch, we were trying to play it out, and then we played ourselves into danger. So he really learned a lot from that. Um, also, I think this season what he's done is he's really learned how to adapt, adapt his overall style. Mm. If you think of the derby game, if you remember the, the derby away match, we were one nil down at half time, and derby weren't doing well at the time, but they comfortably better yeah. than us in that first half. He brought on uh, Bloomfield and Akin Femwa, and that changed the game. Now, Akin Femwa, I think, has had more of an impact than some fans may give him credit for because he's given us that mm. sense of direction when he's come on. He's given us something to aim for. And Ainsworth mm. admitted after that game, he said, we've got to find an identity without him. We can't just keep yeah. turning to Akin Femwa and, and, and hoping that he's going to get us out of danger. Or we've got to, we've got to know how to play when he's not on the pitch. Uh, and obviously, Iqbezi coming in, helped with that because he's a, a similar big target man, although he's perhaps got a bit more versatility, a bit more pace, and he can he can shoot from distance as well. So the approach definitely changed, and, and um, he knew when to be defensive-minded. You look at some of those games against the big sides, uh, Norwich at home, uh, Reading at home, where the, the tactic was, let's contain them, let's stay back. Let's let them have the ball. Let's let them play as much as they can, but keep our formation, keep our shape, and then try and nick something when we get up the other end. Obviously, it's going to be difficult against a side like Norwich, as it proved to be. They were always likely to get a chance, but we could have taken the lead um, in the first half uh, with Mimetti. I think he had an opportunity and mm. maybe should have had a penalty at the end. And then Reading at home was a, a game where that tactic did work, where just letting them have the ball in front of us was fine. We let them, we kept our discipline. And then we did nick a goal and we did hold on. So it was about learning learning to play without the ball. I mean, we know Wickham have very low possession stats anyway. We did that last season getting promoted. But learning to play without the ball when the opposition have real quality it was just a question of keeping your discipline and keeping your shape. So he definitely had to amend his, so almost keep his approach and change it at the same time, if you see what I mean. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, he definitely developed um, tactically in that regard. No two ways about that. Mm -hmm. What about 
in terms of his transfer business at the beginning of the season because one of the things I always felt like was he needed to get a backup for Joe Jacobson before we went into that season and obviously he did get Jordan Abita later on in that transfer window in January um, but yeah I did see also very early on in terms of social media there was a lot of fans calling out in terms of getting more experienced players and I know we're not blessed with the best budget so it was probably unrealistic to kind of expect a Glenn Murray for example to turn up on our books right um, but do you feel like he could have addressed a few of those kind of concerns early on or am I just kind of talking hypothetical here Phil you can always we'll never know what he could have who he could have signed or who he was talking to but I look at the players that he brought in and I I can't really think of a player that he brought in that didn't work out in mm. some capacity. Um, Jordan Abita perhaps didn't play as much as we would have expected, or um, obviously that's with he was always going to be the understudy to Jacobson. Uh, but when he did play, he looked useful. Tafazoli, Knight, Musque, Adenaran, uh, Piazu, all of these players, Horgan, McCleary, to some to varying degrees. I think you know, you say obviously the likes of Josh Knight was player of the season, and maybe we would have expected a bit more from, from Daryl Horgan, but. I don't think there is any signing he brought out, he brought in that, that didn't work out. The only question mark I have is Nick Freeman. Uh, was it the right decision to let him go? Because we were lacking that creativity in midfield, and maybe he could have brought it, and maybe he should have been should have held on. Because there were times when I think games like Stoke away and QPR away, we were lacking that in midfield. Do you think? Mm -hmm. We could have, if we he, he was on the bench, maybe he could have made a difference there. So that's sort of the one question mark. But mm. the only reason I think he was released to or sent on loan to Leighton Orient was because Anis Meti came in. So mm. even that one, you, you you understand to a point. But broadly speaking, I, I don't think there was there was much difference that Ainsworth could have done. I don't think there was much wrong he, he did in, in in the transfer window. What about you, Michael? So obviously there was a few gaps that we needed filling and obviously like Phil's alluded to, the likes of Bloomfield and Akinfen were obviously really experienced heads, but the legs obviously aren't going to last the whole 90 minutes mm -hmm. or as many yeah. games in the whole season. So yeah, what, what was your thoughts, I suppose, going into that season as well? Um, I think it was a bit unknown kind of like how these players would kind of adapt and would they be able to adapt but I think we saw with a lot of these players Stuart Thompson um Jacobson they kind of like and also for the start as well because I also I think unlucky to um come out of the team through injury and Stockton mm. obviously deserves Stockton obviously held his place and deserves to hold his place but I think I think they adapted their playing style well and you could see the progress they were making throughout the season. Um, I think Curtis Thompson, I think, is definitely a kind of standout in the kind of um, improvement he made to adapt to the level that you could, could see. The kind of, he was very dominant in the um, in the midfield, and he could definitely had a big impact there. Mm. What was your thoughts on Gareth McCleary? Because I was actually surprised when he turned up on our doorstep, right? With no clubs actually after him. So I thought we yeah. were just blessed to have someone of his quality turn up on our books. But yeah, were you the same kind of thought? Um, I don't think I knew too much about him, but I think to hear the kind of um, experience he had, I think that definitely did have some impact. And I think... I think overall he had quite a good season. There's some mm. real games where he'd, he'd come on where he started. He had a real impact. Definitely the Swansea game's a big one. I'm trying to think of some games at the start of this, the season. Um, Preston and Derby, you could kind of see the experience he had and down the wing when he's running at teams, that when he when he gets going and when he's in his game, he really can have like effect. So it'll be interesting to see how he kind of goes about in next season because league one i think he's definitely at the level for that kind of and probably if you say on his day he can be above that so it'll be definitely interesting to see how he progresses and phil who were you most impressed with in terms of how the season kind of progressed i suppose um i think 
definitely the loan signings because you, you don't know what mm. you're going to get. Obviously, you know, you, the likes of Josh Knight and um, Musquay, they were the ones you, you have no idea what they're going to be like, but you, you sort of trust um, the club's approach to loan players, which uh, has worked out so well over the, over the recent years. So, But I think it's more the players that have played in League Two. They're the ones that, mm. that you really kind of, when you think about it, they're playing in League Two fairly recently. Uh, only sort of three years ago, the likes of Anthony Stewart. We know he's a good defender, and Curtis Thompson. We know he's. We know they're they're good, tough tackling players. <clears throat> we know how how well they can play. But the way that they've stepped up into the championship is is really impressive. You know, signing obviously the likes of McCleary and Horgan, but they've got that pedigree. They've got the experience. They've played at that level. But these other players and Joe Joe Jacobson as well. They've spent their majority of their careers or all their careers, leagues one and league two thrust into the championship at the deep end and really grew into the division. So that's perhaps the most impressive thing when you when you really think about where they've come from to the level that they were they were forced to play at. Forced to play at mm. ended up playing. One of the players I was actually quite impressed with was Jack Grimmer. I felt like his levels kind of went up a level um, in terms of where he was from the previous season because he's also just gone into that, I suppose, Oxford United game with very little in terms of practice. Um, really excelled himself on that day. But I felt like from what I heard from the people behind the scenes, they kind of said he upped his stats in terms of his fitness. And really, I felt like he adjusted really well to that championship level. Um, but another player is obviously Uche as well. We didn't know what to expect with him. And boy, what we could have done with him earlier in the season. I mean, his contribution. And obviously, even the likes of Neil Warnock kind of reminisced about what a handful he was for that Millersburg game. And I'm talking about the first one where we lost 3-1. He scored that spectacular goal coming in off the wing as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, boy, could we have done with him earlier in the season? Um, Phil, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, he, he was he was definitely um, had a huge impact. He, he, he was likened to Mac and Fenwood, but you, know, you can see he's got pace, he's got strength, he can take players on, he scores goals from outside the box. He will score an overhead kick at some point. I'm just <laughs> hoping for that. I'm waiting for that day. He's tried it, I think, two or three times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He he he's really impressed, and he he was he was one that people were a bit humming and ahhing about. And you read some of these comments like, "Is he is he from other fans that have seen him play? Is yeah. he really up to the standard?" But he's the sort of player that fits in with the Ainsworth approach and fits in with with the mold of the way we play and that's what Ainsworth's really good at um so yeah he, he he's been a, a massive uh, massive impact so even the early game against Blackburn away I think he played briefly and had a couple of, of shots and thought he could be useful and then he, he got over his injuries and he got over Covid and was was key in the second half of the season and it's quite exciting to see what he can do in League One definitely and Michael, it sounds like he's also been learning from Akin Fenwa in the background as well. So his influence is really telling here. And I could see that in terms of the way he's approaching those games, holding up the play. I think that was the most impressive thing is that you could see yeah. a like for like replacement, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely like for like and the differences in the mobility and the kind of pace that he has mm. and being able to move with the ball, which Akin Fenwa obviously doesn't have, but they kind of, go hand in hand um but yeah definitely really had a real impact and kind of proved some of the doubters about his kind of like is he up for it it's like came uh coming from like i don't like not having even like strong seasons in league two in, at cambridge and stuff like that so mm -hmm. to like step it up really kind of shows the kind of impact that gareth and akin fenar and the coaching staff had on him there so, Michael, I'm going to unfairly put you on the spot here, but was there any players that you felt like could have done better or, you know, were you were a bit disappointed with how they kind of played out this season? Um, I don't think there's really too many. Um, I think in patches, maybe, but... Maybe Jason McCarthy at the start of the season was a bit of a mixed bag and definitely appearances in like January, um, February time, there was like a bit of shakiness there. But I think actually when it, towards the end of the season, he was a real asset, especially in the um, fight um, with the five at the back, kind of three at the back 
two wing back formation really progressed. So I don't think there was too many bad players really, and no one had Daryl Horgan maybe fell off a bit, but it kind of didn't get, get given too much game time. Um, I'm not really sure what happened to Namdi off the ball. That was probably one of the things we brought him in, and he kind of I think he may have got the same kind of an injury, and he didn't look he didn't look kind of the kind of player he was in that playoff um, yeah. phase. But even the players who who didn't get as much game time, kind of like they all had some kind of impact, and I think you kind of look at it like David Stockdale. He must have had such an impact before, and as you could see, the kind of what he was saying and the kind of like character he is, and the experience he's had at Brighton and these clubs really kind of must have sh- come on to these players. Mm. What about you, Phil? I mean, I was of the opinion Daryl Horgan maybe was a bit disappointing for the duration of the season. I was expecting maybe a bit more, given that he was also an Irish international. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, he was the one that at the start of the season, definitely looked like he was a, a championship quality player when the rest of the players were still finding their feet and obviously he scored that goal against Brentford. Uh, and we had had higher hopes for him. Uh, I, I kind of feel the same to a lesser degree about McCleary. But um, they McCleary kind of came on strong, scored a few goals towards the end. I think for Horgan, he, uh, he would have thought more than just the one goal. Uh, mm. I've, I've noticed he, he has he has been a player that's done a sort of a bit of the, the kind of donkey work, if you like, but in the build-up mm. to some other goals. That maybe some of that work's gone unnoticed, but I think he's been slightly disappointing. But then that does maybe tie into our style of play because him and McCleary are players that like the ball at feet, like to run at players, uh, and maybe that's not quite worked out in the way that way the mm. more direct approach that we take. In terms of other players that have maybe slightly disappointed I think maybe Alex Samuel uh, hasn't with one goal all season in the FA Cup but you'd expect a bit more from a striker I know he's uh, he's not played that much but again that may be why and another one is Scott Kashke it's really strange yeah. because he came mm. in at the start he was scoring regularly but um, mm. four, four, four or five goals and then he just wasn't getting in the team towards the end when Nick Piazza came in and you think should he have played a bit more should Ainsworth have him, brought him on a few uh, mm. a bit more often, maybe started him for a, a different approach here and there. So he's been slightly disappointing, but more from the fact that he hasn't played rather than what he's done when he has played. Yeah, definitely. I was going to allude to Scott Kashka because I felt like something clearly dropped off. I don't know whether it's just approach the way we were going to go about the games as well, because obviously he started to get a bit of a momentum, but then suddenly I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but whether it's that change of approach that really kind of changed whether, you know, Scott was going to have an influence on games. Um, but yeah, let's move to one of our listeners' questions. Uh, we had one from Lewis, which was asking us, how impressed were we with Anis Mametti? So um, start off with yourself, Phil. Obviously, unknown when he came into our team back in September. Um, but boy, the progression of that lad has been really impressive. I think all of us were a bit worried that that contract wasn't signed until recently. Um, but yeah, great to see that we've at least got him for another season, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, a, a real promising talent, the sort of player that people will turn up just to watch. Uh, it's crazy to think that I think the level he was playing at, they didn't play football last season. So if he hadn't been picked up, could he have been completely lost and never made it into into um, professional football? Uh, you know, and how many more are there like him? That's uh, something we may see an impact of COVID in sort of two or three years. But it was interesting. He, you know, we signed these sort of, um, I don't know, especially called B team players, but reserve yeah. squad or however you want to call development it. squad that's the word development squad <laughs> we've kind of maybe expected them to make a couple of appearances on the benches when there was a couple of injuries and suspensions and mm. then Ainsworth alluded to the fact that maybe he's got someone in the building that can do the job and then he brought him on against Millwall when he made a superb uh, pass to Kashkett and okay we, we've got something someone exciting here uh, and then obviously he's gone on to, to score with three or four goals in that real exciting player to watch he is still quite raw um i do mm. think that there are areas of the game he needs to learn yeah. i remember reading away 
we were in the ascendancy trying to get an equaliser and he was 30 yards out and he tried a shot that yeah. sailed over the bar. There was, I think, Reading at home. He tried to take on two or three players rather than just lay the ball mm. off. Uh, and then Reading had a good counter-attack and Anthony Stewart cut it out and was furious with Mimetti. He does have that in him. But the flip mm-hmm. side of that is that sometimes he can do a real moment of magic. And I remember against yeah. QPR, when he got the ball and went on that run to the area, I, I saw Horgan to his left and I thought, swear it, swear it, swear it. Yeah. And then he shot and scored. And he, it's it's a balancing act because he just needs to judge when yeah. he's going to have a good opportunity to score and when he just needs to just lay it off and remember that football is a team game and he doesn't need to do it all himself. And he might have a lot of skill and a lot of confidence to take on two or three players, but majority of time you're going to lose out there and you could put the team under the cosh so there is that side to his game that he really needs to mm. develop but as a as a raw talent uh, what a player to have and you know it's, it's going to be exciting to see him tearing up some league one defenses next season yeah i was going to allude to an episode i remember on quest where i think it was against nottingham forest he was kind of chasing a striker that was through on goal i want to say it was lyle taylor and for some reason, he kind of just let him just walk past him and score a goal. And I was just like, bloody hell, what have we got here? Like, I didn't know what to anticipate with him because clearly he was a talent. But yeah, it was just disappointing to see those kind of early impressions of him was he needed to learn a lot more about his game and how to approach it. But certainly there seems to be an essence of Luco 9 in him, like in the sense mm-hmm. that I feel like he's only going to get stronger if he gets a bit more development. And I think this is the perfect club for him. Um, Michael, your thoughts on his contribution this season? Yeah, definitely. I think to step from the kind of level he was at and to come into not just not league one, at championship level and to have some of the performances he did and kind of the moments taking on players of experience, that Premier League experience, strong championship experience, I think was like very impressive. Um, he definitely does have naiveties in his game that probably is ex- to be expected with someone so not as much experience as, well, no experience really in terms of that kind of level. But I definitely think that we've given a bit more, op- given opportunity in League, um, League One, he could definitely have, he'll definitely have a bit more freedom to kind of go at teams because the defensive kind of structure will be a bit less organised in some cases. And I definitely think um, Bloomfield moving into more of a coaching role and his influence, you could definitely see that. Well, you couldn't mm. see what was the influence, but you could definitely imagine the kind of influence that Bloomfield would have had of him being at this club for so long, kind of know what it means and just kind of like working out those kind of weaknesses and kind of naiveties in this game. So I think that would definitely be a strong point going forward. I think Matt has alluded to the fact that he has been kind of giving him tips as well and all around yeah. positioning as well. So I think it's quite clear that he has had an influence in terms of a lot of the training sessions. I think he's done a few drills mm. at the training ground as well. So it sounds yeah. like he is definitely developing him into a player. We'll move into another question, which was sent by James R, um, asking us our opinions on Josh Knight. Will we sign him or see him sign for the Blues? If we start off with yourself, Michael, obviously a lot of rumours around a certain team beginning with P, um, Alan Swan's favourite team, Peterborough United. Uh, he's obviously played for those guys. Um, but yeah, hand on heart, I think we probably aren't going to sign him. But no, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree with you. I'd love to see it happen. But I think for the level, he's just a class above that. He's championship minimum. So as much as I'd love to see it, he definitely is not good. I don't think he'll sign. And yeah, definitely, as you were saying, I think having that, being at Peterborough before, he might sign there, but he would love to see him, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, and Phil, I think Joe Jacobson's tried his best to encourage these players to sign on. I've seen a few posts that he's done on social media. Um, what's your thoughts? Do you reckon we've got a chance, being that he's had quite the season with us, right? Yeah, I don't think there's any there's any chance of signing him. I think if we'd stayed up, it was definitely mm. a possibility. Um, I think players definitely seem to love playing um, for Gareth Ainsworth. They love the setup uh, and everything that goes with it. But you think you know, the quality of the player, he is championship level. Uh, I think maybe if 
a sort of side that you'd expect to walk League One next season and be right up near the top, which I don't think we're going to quite be. I expect us to compete in the top half, but maybe if we were a side that you'd expect to bounce straight back up, there might be a slim opportunity. But I think he will sign for a, for a Championship side, one perhaps one that's more more likely to finish not being a relegation battle, sort of finish more mid-table level because I think that is definitely his level, and I think the impact has been so great um, in a side that's that's gone down and he's so versatile that someone mm. is going to surely snap him up and I, I, I think mm. <clears throat> probably offer him a lot more than we'll be able to in terms of wages definitely unfortunately no. yeah unfortunately and if it's not us there's a certain Gabriel Sutton that keeps on talking about him so I'm sure there'll be someone that'll pick him up for sure <laughs> so uh, let's go into next season uh, League One as it is uh, until we're otherwise told so. I'm pretty sure it will be League One, regardless of that derby situation, to be honest. Um, so last week, obviously, the announcements were made. We saw Rocky leave us alongside Darius Charles, Cameron Yates, Giles Phillips and Andron Giorgio. Obviously, there's so, sort of discussions with Akin Venwa in terms of what's going to happen with him next season. Um, get your quick thoughts in terms of those release. Were we a bit surprised at Rocky leaving us? If we start off with yourself, Phil. Um, yes and no, I would say. Mm. I'm sitting on the fence there. I mean, I think we would love to have seen him stay. Um, he's a top quality goalkeeper. He was fantastic in getting us promoted. He was brilliant, probably one of the best players first half of the season. I don't think he made any specific errors um, leading to any uh, individual goals uh, and then obviously loses place through injury a bit of a complicated injury Stockdale comes in Stockdale's brilliant and that's always the danger with goalkeepers is that uh, you know you lose your place it can be hard to get it back again uh, so I was surprised and I think it would have been great to have two goalkeepers of Allsop and Stockdale's quality uh, on the books but I think maybe from all I know also was was released but he probably was thinking he wants to play be guaranteed first team football because he's mm. good enough for that he's good enough for, to play for a league one side uh, and it's going to be a bit of a, a stretch to have two goalkeepers of that quality at a club such as Wickham um, which is a bit of a shame and maybe it was a way of freeing up budget to, to stretch it elsewhere so I was I think it, it wasn't so much he wasn't released because he wasn't good enough. I think mm. there was a bit more to it than that. And it was it was a shame to see him go, but you know, how blessed were we to have two yeah. such top quality goalkeepers last season? Definitely. And what about you, Michael? Were you surprised by those that were released? Yeah, I'd pretty much agree. Um yeah, also is is a bit of a surprise but as you said, I don't think he would want to risk too much if Stockdale was kept up his form or similar form to what he was last season, you risk staying on the bench at um, a club like us. It would be really great to have them both because I think it's kind of the first time in a while where we've really been assured of the two keepers we have. Usually we have one strong keeper and then if that keeper gets injured, we get quite worried or even get in emergency loans in a lot of cases. Um, so yeah, definitely. And then on to Darius Charles, I think it's like what kind of player, what kind of person he is to the kind of impact that he's had at the club. And this not so much this season because he really hasn't been that involved. And I think it's, I don't think it would have been kind of hard for him to be involved with the kind of injury and the kind of fitness levels that you do need at this level. But I think even he probably had, must have had some kind of impact outside of that within the change room. And then when you look at the season in League One, when we got promoted to come back from an injury of that scale and to be putting in the performances that he was doing and to get us up to this level was pretty extraordinary. So nothing but really credit for him and the kind of things that he'd done. Mm, so if we look at where we need to strengthen, I think it sounds pretty evident that we probably sound like we need a striker potentially to line up alongside Uche or to be that impact striker that comes off to kind of really make an impact up top. Um, but if we start off with yourself, Michael, is there any other areas that you kind of feel that we need to address? Um, I think centre-back losing Knight 
we're going to need some kind of we've got Stuart, we've got Tapazoli and um, McCarthy can kind of fill in and he's kind of shown that he can play centre-back, he's improved that position a bit more um, but definitely kind of at least I'd say probably two I'd say a centre-back who I think it's a bit hard to kind of attract these kind of players when you do have Stuart and Tavazoli, but maybe someone I think Ainsworth has a good reputation of kind of bringing in these players that we may not think are going to be top level and aren't playing at a top level um, but in pr- making them into that so is it that we get like a it's going to be hard to get like a really like strong known centre back for this level with the kind of budget we have I think it's probably going to be a bit more now that we've been in this level and had kind of a bit more funds come in and um, rather than Pete being here, but definitely kind of centre-back. Um, thinking maybe a wing player, if we go for that formation, maybe a defensive kind of wing player or maybe an attacking kind of wing player might need to bring in because Musque um, going, he played a bit of, played more of a attacking striker um position towards the end of the season but he played a bit more he played a bit of the wing at the start so i guess we have mccleary and just maybe i think maybe in just bringing a player to in positions where we have a lot of players just to because we've seen it right there's been times that we brought in a midfielder and we think oh do we, do we really need that but they that player's bring, been the impetus and like really come on so definitely, so it's kind of hard to tell. I think Ainsworth needs to judge it, but definitely a centre-back. Mm. And um, Phil, obviously, I, I think I heard it rightly, but I might be misquoted here. But I felt like Gareth was indicating that he's going to evaluate to see where clubs financially were going to be with a lot of their squad players as well, because I think that's going to play a massive part in terms of how next season goes on, in terms of who's going to be out there, who's going to be available, um, but also I was going to put a different twist on this. Do we think players like Alex Patterson could come into the fold now? Um, he's obviously been there or thereabouts hanging about in the background. I feel like he's obviously being kept for some reason in terms of his development, maybe his influence. He's been a bit unfortunate this season. I think the incident at Bournemouth where he got sent off, for example, um, obviously they do sort of see him as a key player, but do you think he's still got a future in maybe League One with us? Maybe. I'm, I'm yet to really see enough from him to, to, to say definitely, but mm. it's pretty clear that Ainsworth sees something in him and sees a, a use for him in some capacity. Uh, like you said, I think he was a bit unfortunate to be sent off at Bournemouth and maybe if he hadn't been, he would have played a bigger role uh, last season. But... Um, I've not really seen too much to suggest that he's good enough for a starting place. Ainsworth seems to like him. He wants to hold on to him. Maybe he can be a, a squad player in some capacity. Um, there's there's something there that Ainsworth sees. Um, mm. Maybe we're just not seeing it. Uh, or maybe maybe Ainsworth's got a blind spot with him. I don't know. But um, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. But I'm, I'm not, not convinced um, that he's going to be going to really have a, a, a big impact for us. So if we move into what we should expect next season, so obviously our fellow friends, Oxford United, will be joining us alongside the fellow bottlers that is uh, Sunderland. Um, But yeah, we'll also, by the looks of things, we're either going to face, I think it's Morecambe, and if I believe it, it might be Forest Green Rovers, potentially. I don't know how that current game is playing out right now, so... Yeah, they are in extra time winning 4-2 or at the moment on the aggregate it's 4-4. So um, it'll be interesting to see whether it's going to be actually Forest Green Rovers or Newport that see them in the fi- uh, final, should I say. Um, but in amongst that, we've obviously got Charlton, Portsmouth, Ipswich, Gillingham, Accrington Stanley, Crewe, MK Dons, Doncaster, Fleetwood, Burton, Shrewsbury, Plymouth, Wimbledon, Wigan, Sheffield Wednesday and Rotherham. So, and we've also got coming up Cheltenham, Cambridge and Bolton Wanderers. Um, get your thoughts quickly then. So, Phil, start off with yourselves. Obviously, 
it's quite a big mix of teams that are going to go up for championship or the promotion run-in, shall we say. Um, out of that lot, who do you fancy being the kind of outsiders or who do you think are going to be the favourites as well? It's obviously a very strong division in terms of names, but that doesn't always transfer, as we've seen with Sunderland. Mm. I mean, they've obviously been the biggest name in the division for four years now, four years now, uh, and haven't even managed to make um, the, the top two. Um, that can sort of almost blindside people, really. They sort of think, well, they're a big name, they're going to do well. Similarly with Ipswich, they haven't made mm. the playoffs in their two seasons, but they've got new investment. You'd anticipate them mm. to be up there. I'd expect Sheffield Wednesday and with some of the players they've got to, to be looking to make an immediate return. Rotherham as well, they're always up mm. there. So um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough league. And I think as Wickham fans, we just need to be realistic about who we are as a club and where we've been historically in the division we're in, because it's easy to get carried away with the, what happens the last time we were in League One and how well we, we battled in the championship. And while that's raised the expectations, at the same time, we need to acknowledge that there are some big teams in this division. There is some uh, players, some clubs with, with big budgets. And historically, we've never really been a side that's competed at the top of, of League One. I think our best, our best finish prior to the last time we were in the division was sixth, and that was back in the 90s. Apart from that, it was a few mid-table finishes. So mm. realistically, we've, we've just got to be careful about our expectations. I think we should expect to be competing for playoff spot I would be disappointed with anything other than a top 10 finish anything above that is um, would be fantastic anything in the bottom half I think would be a little bit disappointing given what the, the goal of the club is uh, but we, we just got to tailor what's happened recently with realism and if we're sort of competing in eighth ninth and trying to get that final playoff space with two or three games to go I think that's what we can realistically hope for and what about you, Michael? Do you share those kind of sentiments? Yeah, no, definitely similar. Um, kind of have to see how our squad shapes up and definitely how some of the other squads shape up, as you said. Um, Ipswich having the new investment come in. Uh, Portsmouth with um, Danny Cowley, who came in recently. I think mm. that could be definitely... They seem to... Uh, even though they've missed out on the play playoffs just with... Um, at at the end of the season, they could really have go forward. I think it all kind of depends. Maybe the expectation is definitely higher because there just really hasn't really been that much expectation and it's kind of what we've thrived off. But I don't think that should have too much of an impact if the kind of like spirit and mentality stays the same around the club. You'd hope that Ainsworth could probably say stay um Finn only club which it looks if Blackburn decided to um get rid of Mowbray then maybe if they came calling that that might be he might say yeah I think I'm not really going to get that opportunity again but it does seem quite likely with the kind of logistics behind it and kind of the living situation as well that's got to be thought about so I think it all depends but I would definitely be hoping for top half, probably playoffs in some situations, but kind of have to see how the season goes really, but definitely have positives going into, and you see how we played towards mm. the end of the season and the kind of, like we were make some like big championship teams, we were really putting them under pressure and they were, it was, weren't going light against them. So if we can kind of keep that, up, it's, it's going to be different. We've lost some of those players as well, and we need to see who we bring in. But I'm optimistic and hopeful and just have to see how it goes. But hopefully we can get playoffs or at least top half. Mm, and certainly through the bookies, they don't kind of tip us being the favourites. It seems to be the likes of Ipswich, Charlton, as well as Portsmouth really being the key here. But as an outsider, I do actually genuinely feel Bolton Wanderers. Um, they've built some momentum recently with Ian Ever in charge down there. And it sounds like obviously they're going to have some more investment going into that summer mm -hmm. period. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. I'm sure we'll see a lot more and probably speculate a lot more when the summer dealings have been had as well. Um, so, yeah, no, very interesting. We'll see how next season pans out. So 
I think that brings us to the end. So um, I have to say thank you very much to both of you um, for your contributions. It's been really interesting to kind of discuss this and digest this a bit more. Um, obviously, the season we kind of were living for or looking forward to at least. Um, but yeah, no, certainly a lot of positivity going into next season. And I can't wait to uh, see us live at Adams Park. So um, thank you very much to Michael as well as Phil. It's been really great to have you both on this. Uh, this will also be available for those watching live as a podcast. So um, just make sure you subscribe to the Hopeless Wonder podcast. Um, but without further ado, thank you very much. I hope you enjoy the rest of the evening and uh, good luck to you both as well. Hope you have a good summer and uh, look forward to next season. So uh, come on, you blues. Thanks for having me on. Great. Thank you. Thank you.